0: If you'd like to get your phone Bible out, I'm going to read our passage uh, for today, uh, and you can follow along uh, if you'd like to. So we're going to Luke's Gospel. Uh, I think it's going to come up on the screen as well. I don't know whether it's going to come on the screen. Yes, great. Uh, Great. Luke um, 24. So if you scroll like I'm doing Luke 24, this is a resurrection account. All sorts of stuff happens, and then we get to verse 13. So we're going to start verse 13. This is the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them when he broke the bread. Please would you welcome Zoe Mason as she comes to speak to us.
1: So this Toby the vicar not only did he witness the moment that I became a mason instead of Norton, but he officiated it actually, <laughs> and still doesn't remember it. But that's okay. Um, first off, welcome back students. Yeah. Happy final term of the year. Good luck with exams. Just saying that now. Um, did you have a good holiday? Yes. Lovely. Are you happy to be back in Bristol in the sunshine as of yesterday? yes lovely um we are toby and i had some friends staying this weekend and top recommendation for when you have people coming to visit you in bristol sort out a Voi tour you can get a day pass for seven pounds you get nine rides around the city and it really easily gets you to like be able to go everywhere without having to walk a million thousand steps in one day so that's our top recommendation We found that really exciting, having people to stay, loving the good weather at the moment. I've definitely been a lot happier and just a bit more excited about life over the past few weeks. Partly because of the sunshine, partly because it's been a bit warmer, but also because of Easter. Um, Spring's just really exciting and I think Easter is such an underrated Uh, religious holiday I mean Christmas gets all the the big news in the commercial world as it is Um, but I think Easter's actually really exciting I don't know if you went to church last weekend or engaged with any of the Good Friday services or Palm Sunday material Um, but Easter's actually a time I've definitely had my ups and my downs with I grew up in a very Christian home. Both my parents are vicars, they're clergy, which means they both wear the dog collars. Um, And in York, which was where I grew up, uh, we went to a semi-traditional, fairly small church. Everyone wore robes when they were taking services, the long dresses. Um, And there's this particular service around Easter, I think it's on Good Friday, where everyone gathers in the church first. There's a little service and then my least favorite, my least favorite service from my childhood. Um, then the vicar leads everyone who's been in the church outside. There's someone in the, with a cross at the front. And the, liquor, the, the, the vicar <laughs> leads, leads the congregation on this walk through, in my case, a village. And at different stages on this walk, this group of people would stop. There'd be a Bible passage, we'd pray together. And we'd stop in really important places, like outside the co-op. And whilst, whilst these verses were being read, while these prayers were being said, there was so much opportunity for my friends to walk through the vi- village, see my parents in a dress, be like, oh, that's a bit weird. Hold it against me for the rest of my days. 15-year-old Zoe was terrified. And though no one actually ever did hold it against me for the rest of my days, the fear was rife. I bet there was good, good parts to it in that after this all happened, we went back to the church for soup and bread rolls. And if you know me, you know I like soup. Um, but I definitely didn't enjoy that walk in those days. But now I think I probably would go on that walk of wit- witness. I'd find it a little bit strange, particularly if the robes were still around. But now I know, now I find that engaging with Jesus' death is such a huge part of understanding or trying to understand the scale and the importance of what happened a couple of days later. And so now we're going to look at what what Toby just read for us, Luke chapter 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 24. Gosh, I really can't speak right now. Um, So if you still have it open on your phones, maybe get it up so you can have it as a reference point. Um, And as you do that, we're just going to look a little bit at the context of this passage. So in this chapter in Luke, the, the, the writing is absolutely chocker full with the announcement of Jesus's resurrection to the disciples. And it runs through some of Jesus's encounters with people right up until his ascension when Jesus returns to heaven. First off in the chapter, we see the women go to the tomb and whoa, they find it empty. They were just going to dress the body with herbs and spices as was customary in those days. They find it empty, they run back to the disciples and they tell them and everyone's really shocked and are probably a bit confused. And then, without them knowing, these two disciples are walking along a road and, exp- and they suddenly see Jesus, though they can't recognize him. And he explains scripture to them, hinting at the resurrection until a very long time later, they recognize him as he breaks bread. This is the key bit that we're gonna look at today. And then still within Luke chapter four, after our passage, Jesus meets with the 11 disciples in the upper room and reminds them that they're all witnesses of all he has done. Asks them to wait in the city until he sends the Holy Spirit. And then finally, Jesus leads them to a place called Bethany and he ascends. He returns to heaven. So that's the chapter synopsis. Now, the passage in the middle, verses 13 to 35, Jesus comes alongside these two disciples uh, on their journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, to Emmaus. I'm a planning consultant, as Toby said earlier. And so I help people get planning permission for a lot of schemes. Um, But at the moment, at my very entry level stage in my career, I spend an awful lot of time on Google Maps. Um, So, could we get the map up on the screen? Is that okay? So, this map shows the journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And there's no distances on there, but. Let me tell you, that is a walk that would take you seven whole hours, actually seven hours and 11 minutes. It's a pretty hefty walk. I probably wouldn't want to do it. Um, And it's pretty long time for small talk with a stranger. So the disciples, they're kept from recognizing Jesus and they're talking about the death of Jesus as they walk. We presume they're walking home. They're actually mourning a friend. They're grieving for them. Jesus, they were close to him. Not only was he a friend, but he was a savior, a promise for freedom. They're likely feeling devastated. They thought Jesus was the Messiah. They thought he was going to save them. He th- they thought he was going to set them free. Was that now all gone too? because Jesus was dead? Maybe they were also a little bit confused. Where did the body go? Probably the most likely and logical explanation at that point was was it grave robbers? Did someone steal the body? The women that morning had found the tomb empty, so they knew it was gone. But also maybe just maybe they had a little bit of hope. The women that morning had claimed that Jesus was risen. Could that possibly be true? So as they're walking, as they're discussing, as they're getting deep in their feelings, questioning what on earth is going on, Jesus comes alongside them and says, hey, what are you talking about? And they can't believe it. Surely everyone in Jerusalem knows what has been going on. It's the hot topic Everyone saw that the religious leaders pushed Jesus to this death, this death on the cross, and so they explain to Jesus all that's gone on. And one of one of them, one of the disciples, is called Cleopas. The other one, we don't know his name. Poor guy or girl, don't know. Um, but they tell this stranger that comes alongside them everything that's happened. They tell him that. Their friends, these women, found the tomb empty that morning and that they were m- amazed, astounded by what had happened. Jesus, at this point, I imagine, I imagine he scoffs, you know? Maybe chuckles to himself a little bit internally. He knows what's going on. They don't recognize him, they don't know. You foolish people, he says. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets write in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before encountering his glory? And then Jesus explains to these two disciples how all the prophecies about the Messiah, the savior of the Jewish people, relate to Jesus's death a couple of days later, before. And how it makes logical sense, complete logical sense, that Jesus' tomb is empty and he must be risen. And slowly, somewhere along this journey, Cleopas and his friend begin to trust the man they don't recognise. Suddenly they find his insight into scripture strangely encouraging, even if still not quite understanding it fully. And when they finally reach their home or their destination, their stopping point, um, Jesus makes out as if he's going a bit further. He, He makes out as if his journey is not over. But they invite him in, still not knowing who he is, say, come, come and eat with us. And now at this point, I can just imagine the nervous tingles in Jesus's tummy I like to know I'm not a professor of religion. I've never studied theology, but I know that Jesus was God made flesh, made man. He felt, he saw, he smelt and touched just as we do. So I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you're gearing up to tell someone you really love some really, really good news and maybe it's a bit of a surprise. Toby, my husband, and I um, had that excitement when we got engaged, we surprised all my family, it was really fun. Um, some of our friends have announced their pregnancies to us in really odd and slightly <laughs> annoying ways, but <laughs> we forgive them, I think. Um, or maybe, maybe you've been to a surprise party before, and you know that feeling where everyone's hidden in someone's house. And it's like everything is weirdly loud and you don't know why. And there's like the odd whispers. You hear the person unlocking the door. You're getting ready to surprise them. And your tummy is just going. The nerves are there. You're not even sure why because it's a good thing. I can imagine that Jesus has this as he walks into the house with Cleopas and Cleopas's friend. The joy within Jesus' own heart the knowledge of the joy he's about to share. He surveys the scene, a guest in a friend's home, maybe they take his cloak, they wash their hands, maybe their feet, they sit at the table. And he's a guest, so he's offered the opportunity to bless the food. This is it. This is the moment. As soon as I do this, they'll know who I am. And so Jesus reaches over his hand hovering over the bread. He picks it up. And this is the moment that I imagine if this scene was a film, like all the sound disappears, that weird ringing noise that replicates silence in movies is going in the background. He picks up the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it and he gives it to them. The penny drops, the two look at each other, jaws, open but when they look back he's gone jesus it was jesus he's alive he has risen they rush around grab their running trainers hit the road again running out the door shouting did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us seven hours later they barge into the room with the other disciples and they're saying Oh my goodness, he's alive, Jesus is alive, he's risen. And they're all like, we know. (laughs) And obviously I've used quite a bit of creative license with this passage. But don't you love it? Imagining how it would have looked, how it would have smelt, how it would have sounded. I think one of the first things I notice in this passage is actually... Jesus's personal kindness. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a situation where, if someone else hadn't been with you, you yourself wouldn't have believed the situation that had just happened. Sometimes in Bristol, I've seen some outfits that I didn't think were physically possible. The only reason I know that they were is because Toby saw them too. Toby in lockdown once with his housemates, um, he really got in. He really got into trying to achieve some trick shots. He'd just been watching way too much Dude Perfect. Um, but they, they, Toby and his friends, they lived in this two-story apartment above a hairdresser's, and there was some stairs up at the back of their house to access the front door. And on the right, there was this little roof terrace. Um, And so on top of the roof terrace, they had this netball hoop. I said basketball this morning, and Toby said, that's not as impressive. It was actually a netball hoop. Anyway, (laughs) there was this netball hoop on top of the roof terrace. Um, And they tried all these things. There was one called the rebound around. Everyone trying a million shots and not getting anything in. And then Toby tries to sink a basketball into this netball hoop from a car park that's actually about 50 meters away. And there's a whole load of yards and six foot five brick walls in between. Try one, doesn't go in. Try two, doesn't go in. Try three, he absolutely sinks it. No one could believe it. Wild scenes, the boys all go mental. I don't believe it till I see the video footage. (laughs) That was Toby, everyone. And the only reason they all believed it was because they were all there. (laughs) But I also wonder if you've ever been in a situation where you felt a bit lost in a crowd. And because there are so many people witnessing the same experience or the same person or the same event, you somehow just get a bit lost. You don't know what you're doing there. You feel like maybe you're not supposed to be there. Feeling a bit left out? I've definitely been there. But Jesus, after his resurrection, he didn't opt for that option. He didn't appear in crowds where individuals got lost, but he encountered small groups of people, just enough people, for everyone to have had that private joke, that personal encounter, to recognize it was really actually him, without anyone being left out. The two disciples on the way to Emmaus had one another to share the experience with, but at the same time felt individually seen by their king, by their savior. How kind is that? And it may be that in your everyday, you feel a bit devastated by your circumstances or a little confused about what's going around you, going on around you, or even a bit hopeful for what Jesus has in store for the future just as Cleopas and his friend felt at the beginning of their journey to Emmaus. And so this is my first encouragement. Jesus's resurrection and kindness was as much for you and your house as it was for anyone else. Take the time to recognize the risen Jesus's character, his kindness in your life. The second thing I take from this passage is the encouragement to invite and engage with the risen Jesus in our everyday, in our normal. Um, I mentioned earlier that I grew up in a very Christian environment, not just my family. There's loads of vicars in my family, but um, my extended family too. And a lot of my friends growing up were also predominantly Christian. And so we'd go to these Christian kids clubs like one happened at St Nick's a few weeks ago and youth festivals as a family and with friends. And year on year, you'd begin to witness more and more people encountering Jesus. You'd begin to learn what that looks like. And in, this, in these occasions, like, there were some really obvious encounters. If you've done the Alpha course or been around Uh, faith for a while we often talk about encountering the Holy Spirit we pray for it on a Sunday in the morning and the evening and as we do sometimes people begin to look really peaceful sometimes people they shake a little bit they're completely fine and often when you talk to them about it they say oh yeah it was just a bit like a physical expression of what was going on inside and not to be too stereotypical but through being in quite a few of these situations in my life it can often seem like some people have these visible experiences and visible encounters with the holy spirit a lot more than others for me i probably sit somewhere in the middle sometimes i get a bit shaky sometimes i cry sometimes it doesn't look like anything's happening um, And often when I come out of this prayerful space, once I've stopped receiving and had some time to process what's going on, it feels like before I got prayer, before I had that encounter, I felt like I was underwater. And then suddenly, mysteriously, through this encounter, I break the surface and I'm up for air. But actually, That's not how Jesus interacts with the disciples in these first encounters after the resurrection. As Jesus walks and talks with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we know that the two are kept from seeing Jesus. Jesus could have just been any other guy that they didn't recognize. The disciples didn't start to get the heebie-jeebies and think, oh, this is some sort of spiritual encounter. Wow, this must be a vision. They recognised the man walking alongside them as just that, a man on a walk. Jesus was living, he was breathing, talking, probably sweating a bit on this hot, dusty road. But why? Why is it so important for Jesus to intentionally come in human form without any of the flashing lights, disco balls or blaring music that I would envisage? the King of Kings returning with having conquered death. Jesus coming back from death with humility makes true all that is said about him in scripture. It reflects the way he came to earth through birth in a stable. All that he's taught the disciples regarding humility and gentleness is made true by the understated nature of his resurrection. He longs to come beside the individuals and the pairs on their walk away from grief. He came back and chatted through scripture, helped his friends to understand what was going on. And in the third part of Luke 24, Jesus comes back into this room with the disciples. And whilst his very presence is miraculous, he just stands and talks with them. He actually asks them for some broiled fish that he can eat, which I think is disgusting. But that's what Jesus was into, so must be okay. But he, he talks of himself and he talks of, um, he talks of how the scriptures engage with his resurrection. Jesus as a saviour in each of the disciples' own contexts. And I see this as a reminder to invite the truth, the reality of Jesus into my most normal circumstances. How will the knowledge of Jesus's resurrection change how I feel about doing the washing up, struggling with a piece of work for my job, having to wake up early on a weekday, my walk or cycle to or from work? And it makes me wonder How many times do we miss the work of God in our own lives because of our expectation of how he'll appear to us when it doesn't match Jesus's perfect reality? I find I often set an expectation that God only moves in powerful and visible ways if the word from the stage on a sunday isn't for me then god's just not doing anything in my life that week in reality do i usually think of jesus or let jesus into those moments that are just my everyday business my everyday relationships the simple way that jesus came to the disciples after the resurrection was so normal so similar to how he'd been before his death. And so this is my second encouragement. Jesus is eager to be as much part of our normal, everyday as our highs and our lows, our spiritual encounters. Let's invite him in to our everyday journeys. And so my final point or encouragement, they've kind of been encouragements, kind of been points. Feel the burdens. In verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem where they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. It's true, he's risen. Cleopas and his friend were so stirred once they journeyed with Jesus without knowing, when they recognized him, his character, that their hearts burned, they could feel it. Their hearts burned with the truth and the power of Jesus' resurrection. And so they ran, they got up, they moved to share the news. From Reading the Bible in the Great Commission, which is in Matthew 28, this is Jesus's last instruction. Jesus asks the disciples to go out and to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them all that Jesus had taught the disciples in the same way that Jesus explained to Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus. And so the early church, they did that. Once the disciples had received the Holy Spirit, they went out and they told everybody the good news about Jesus, about how he died to save the sins of the world and rose again in glory, and how he longs for relationship with each and every one of us. And we as Christians, we have that same calling. We have the invitation of the Holy Spirit. We have the calling to share the knowledge and love of God. And my mum and I were talking about this passage together and realised that one of the most powerful ways to share with others the good news of Jesus is to talk about the difference that he makes in our normality, in our everyday. Sometimes these big spiritual experiences, they're just out of reach. They're way too difficult to comprehend. When we have baptism services at St. Nick's, we always hear from those who are getting baptized, the adults, not the babies, and they answer the question, what difference has Jesus made to you in your life? And so often the response is something so simple, so ordinary, something that rolls into the normality of our everyday lives. Sometimes it's an underlying sense of peace. Sometimes it's a new perspective. Sometimes it's a feeling of new identity. Jesus' resurrection wasn't just for the mountaintops and the valleys, but for the duration of the times in between too. I I love the gentle but fierce power of Jesus explaining the scripture to his friends. And he calls us to do the same thing. To embody this and share with others too. So, to sum up, we've talked about recognising the character of the risen Jesus um, to us personally. We've talked about inviting him into our normality and to feel the burn. Feel something that he's doing within us. And I think I don't know if you agree but I feel like there was a sense of that this evening already Um, that time of worship was so beautiful and it felt so powerful Um, and declaring the truth that God is greater than everything else knowing that so deeply and I'd love to encourage us now just as the band come up um, to take a moment to reflect on this so maybe you just want to like Stretch out a little bit. Get comfy. Um, And why don't we all close our eyes. And just take a moment to acknowledge where God might have been working around us. Working in our lives. That we've just not recognised. I'm just going to pray. Jesus, would you, in this moment, would you reveal to us. Your love for us. We thank you that you died on the cross for us. And as we wait now, Lord, would you show us where you've been working in our lives? Whether we've seen it or not. And why don't we, as we reflect on this, why don't we just start in your head or out loud up to you, um, just thanking God for these things that he's put into our lives.